I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. But you knew that already. Welcome to The Back Peg. Yes, episode four of The Back Peg. It's a pleasure to have you with us once again. And we've got a guest on this episode, Laz. Yes, we've got someone that's uh, near and dear to us, Nathan. Uh, Fatima Flores, who is a player agent and owner of a sports agency business, amongst other things, and is involved in the local football scene as a agent, but also as an active supporter in the women's football scene and men's football scene, for that matter. So it'll be great to have Fatty on, and uh, Fatty's um, a colleague of ours. Joining us on the back peg today is a colleague of Nathan and mine. Uh, let me start that again because I bulls okay. that up, didn't I? Joining us on the back peg. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us on the back peg right now is our special guest for today's episode, Fatima Flores, who is an MBA graduate, sports administration graduate from Torrance University and is a player agent and has her own player agency and is involved in women's football like you would not believe and fatty it is good to have you on the pod thank you guys i'm really excited to get to be asked to be on this one it's um an awesome project you're both doing so yeah thanks for having me a pleasure to have you on and we'll get straight into it and i think the biggest thing we can ask you is about the upcoming women's world cup of course that's the big fish we had the launch a week or two ago now and what do you make of the launch Mate, as soon as I saw an Adidas helicopter carrying a massive ball around Sydney, I was like, yeah, this country hasn't seen a sporting event like this for a while now. It got me so excited. Like that was just for the ball launch, like all the effort they went into that. And also the some of the other athletes they brought along to it. You know, you had Ian Thorpe and a few of the Kiwi Olympians and megastars of um, rugby and that. I thought that was brilliant as well. And I also love the name of that football. I actually got to touch it yesterday. Um, I was at a, I was doing this football shoot thing that you might see later on cool. FIFA. Yeah. And I got to actually have a, have a bit of a play around with the, with the oceans ball and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's stunning. So it, it's, it already started on a high for me and now, yeah, I I'm counting down each, each week and I think it's going to fly. And then we'll be there in July 19th, I think it is. Mm, yeah, July or July 20th, yeah, thereabouts. Oh, 20th. Yeah. yeah. Stadium Australia as well. For, so the, uh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. well, that's that's the big news, um, I guess, of this week is, you know, it's part of me feels, I feel like yay and nay about that. Like, mm. yay, because, I mean, the ticket demand has been insane and everyone wants to be part of that it'd be historic it's also a great match against Ireland like what a, a good opposition to have like their first world cup there's a lot of Irish people in Australia so the atmosphere will be great the Irish are fun uh, so I think it's going to be an awesome atmosphere uh, pre during and post the match but then the nay thing is obviously the original stadium was mm. a beautiful beautiful football stadium and mm. you know state-of-the-art everything and also more central, I believe. I've never been to Stadium Australia, though, so here Oh, go. okay. There is that to and fro with the decision to move it to the bigger stadium, the bigger venue. Yes, you quite rightly mentioned that the original stadium is a better stadium, newer, shinier, and state-of-the-art, but just the ability to have, the potential to have 83,000 people there to watch the Matildas against the Irish team. It's yeah. an opportunity that can't be missed up. No, no, no. I think I think they, um, yeah, it would have been a, a lost opportunity if 
Like, and you know what, though? It doesn't surprise me, the interest. What actually surprised me is that they didn't think of it originally. Like, just yeah. why not just plan that we were going to have the 83,000? And that's actually been an interesting point in the whole FIFA um, ticketing thing. It's like, oh, the the surprise demand has, like, caught us off guard. I'm like, it's confusing because FIFA themselves are marketing this as the biggest event they've ever had for women's football. Um, so if you're marketing it that way, why are you suddenly sh- shocked that there's so much um, tickets that are being wanted? So come on, sort it out. I think they underestimated how popular the Matildas are as a team. Yeah, yeah right? true. Yeah, that's and, valid, yeah. And we want to see that, and we Australians want to see them do well, right? And look, mm. the, the positive of Stadium Australia is that there is a lot of football history at that ground, right? So yeah. you've got the Uruguay qualifier. You've got, mm. you know, the AFC Asian Cup win there. And it's mm. a great opportunity before, well, it's a great opportunity regardless of how the tournament pans out for the Matildas to actually write a chapter at that venue. That's L- true. Like yeah. it or not, right? Um, mm. It may not be the most football-friendly venue, right, mm. because of the way that it's configured, but uh, it's a very large oval, if you could put it yeah. that way, as a re- you know, but essentially they've tried to make it rectangular where they can, right? Mm. Um, and it's more in the American style seating. Like if you look at, um, you know, Michigan university and, and they're saying where it's set back a bit, you're not on top of it as you are at other venues, you know, like say Suncorp mm. or, or, um, the new football stadium or, you know, Parramatta for that matter. Mm. So, but I think it's a great opportunity for the Matildas to write a chapter of history at that yeah. venue and they deserve it. Yeah. hundred percent. I think you're right. I think that would be cool to. I mean, that stadium and that that game against Uruguay, that's just one of the probably the top footballing moments for us or one of my top mm. memories. And I think, yeah, it, it kind of adds to the history. And I think it also it starts the competition with a bang. And yep. that's what you want to see. You want to see, oh, wow, it's it's the it's a sellout in the biggest stadium in Australia. Um mm against Ireland and, you know, going, gunning for a win. Um, I think we can, we should win that. I don't mm. think it'll be easy. But I think we should win that. And with the home crowd and all that, I think, yeah, 83,000 fans screaming for you. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, it's, oh man, I'm getting pumped. It's like, I'm already there. <laughs> it doesn't take me much. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, that's what we like about it. The fact that, yeah, but, and look, if, and it's great that they get to play there before a knockout game. All right. Yeah. Before the real pressure That's right. um, ends, you know. Yeah, correct. <laughs> it's, yeah, correct. <laughs> I guess the, um, well, maybe we'll get into it a little bit later, but I think the expectations on the team and their performance, I think if you're within women's football and actively watching it, you're going to have one expectation versus the casual fan. Mm. They're going to need to understand the realities of where we're at now because um, it's very much changed since you know, even a few years ago. So, And what do you make of a similar scenario for the Socceroos leading into the Asian Cup back yeah. in 2015? Yes, we were amongst the best teams going to that tournament, but we weren't tipped to win it. And it was the home support, the energy generated, the fantastic moments along the way that carried the team all the way to the final and to eventually, eventually lift the trophy. Do you see yeah. that happening? Is that a, a potential groundswell to lift the team to that same sort of level? I think um, it is definitely a powerful thing to uh, obviously play in front of your own family, your friends and your fans. And the fact that it's a World Cup 
and this is kind of like nearly like a once in a lifetime. Australia doesn't doesn't get all these um, events every every four years. Um, and being when I went to the Euros for the women's the women's Euros in England, I saw it there. I saw an England team that um, obviously an amazingly talented and such depth in that squad. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of talk of Norway and Holland and Sweden. Um, but as England went on, each game, it just like grew and grew and it, the momentum was unreal. So I think that, yeah, that can happen for our girls. Um, I think it might take us uh, quite far, but I, my personal thing, as much as it hurts me, I don't think we'll get a, a final. Um, if, if so, I will be ecstatic I'd, I'd love to be wrong but I think realistically you know if our girls get to a semi-final that's huge that is that is, that would be huge um for me uh I think quarterfinal and it depends that you know how the, the way the draw works and we might get because I think if we finish second we could be facing England oh. in Brisbane which is kind yep. of an awesome awesome game to have in my home city but yeah, I, I I think that it's not it's not off the cards. Like I don't think it's impossible, but my from what I've seen and I don't see us in a final. I don't think that that should be the, you know, the, the standard of success for us. I think um like I said, a, between the quarters and a semis, that's the semis are static, quarterfinals, let's go for that. Yep. Um but yeah, uh, you've got to consider the impact that our home fans are going to have and and if we can get some of those early results like a good start against Ireland and a very good performance against Nigeria gets us ready for a strong Canada mm. um and then with the media kind of on side and all that it you know things change at that point and we saw in the men's world cup just how you know anything can happen um we've got more teams now in this world cup so that's going to be another you know new spanner in the works um teams that have never played at the world cup teams that um you know uh, are very new in in playing at these high levels um in women's football and so i think there'll be it will be very exciting and there'll be a lot of unknowns still that you know, you just who rocks up on the day and who's ready to go. Um, and yeah, that's well, let's see, let's see what happens. Mm. Well, we've got the Cup of Nations coming up this month, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do we need to see from the Matildas, do you think, as you know, as either the casual supporter or as an active supporter or as a you know, um, someone that just concentrates on the Matildas? What one, what is the expectation as far as the performances yeah. in that tournament are concerned? And if the sub, the performances are subpar. Mm. Where do you think we go from there? Mm. Let's start with the <laughs> not the the gloom question, but the what do I want to see? What do I expect? Or what do we want to take out of it? I mm. think we have to uh, build off our performance against Sweden and even the game before that. So what was it? South was it South Africa before? Yeah, we played yeah, it was South Africa. Sweden? Yeah, and we should um, say what the Cup of Nations. You got um, Czechia, which is the Czech Republic. Spain yeah. and Jamaica. Jamaica, yeah, which I think it's a good mixed bag of, um, you know, teams. Um, obviously, the Spain revenge game, I guess. <laughs> but, um, look, that that is that's what that's in the past, I guess. And Spain are going through their own issues, and that's yeah. actually going to be really interesting to see what team they um, bring here. And um, uh, yeah, so I think for me, it's to see our performance grow from 
uh, the those last two games, so against mm. South Africa and then against Sweden. Like I'm going to say, I was completely shocked mm. that we dismantled Sweden. Yes, they were missing some key players, mm. um, and it was just a friendly. However, they still had a very strong squad, mm. Mm. Um, and our girls did really, really well in the performance and obviously the end result. I think also now when we look at our players, um, we've got quite a few of them in form. I mean, Sam Curtin is she's always seems to be on fire but right now um she's scoring hat tricks like back to back so mm. that's nice but i guess in the national team where we need what we need to see more of is distribution to sam and getting her the ball like chelsea do um so yeah i think if um we can start strong against czech uh the czech republic um like good performance clean sheet as well uh yeah, I think that will. That's what I'll take away from it. Whether we win or not, I, I don't personally care too much. Um, of course, for the media, the storyline and momentum, mm, mm. let's win it. And is it doable? Yes, it is. But I still don't write off the quality of Spain because mm. even a second yeah. B team, if you want to call it, they are extremely, extremely experienced international players as well from youth level. Um, and they're playing in the top clubs, a lot of them from Real Madrid and um, Barcelona. you from yeah. Barcelona, the B teams, but yeah. oh, I shouldn't hey, call them that. Well, Barcelona's a B team. That's all right. We can go with Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Jamaica, you've got Bunny Shaw, who's ripping it also in uh, the WSL. Um, and they're always a team that, you know, you don't know what to expect on the day. Um, so they'll be competitive and yeah, I think it'll be a good tournament to to just see where we're at. Mm. Yeah, full disclosure, Fat is a, a crazy Real Madrid supporter, even crazier than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> that's saying something. That's but right. You know what's weird, though? You know what's weird? And this is terrible to say live now on a pod that will be recorded. However, it's weird that in women's football, right, Real Madrid only recently had a, a women's team. Yeah, that's Two right. years. Yeah. So they, they acquired one. Correct. We bought one. Um <laughs> So it was weird because the Barcelona women's team, I always enjoyed watching because, mm. I mean, there wasn't a Madrid one. There was So there's not even this, like, same rivalry, passion or hate I have to them. And that's the difference, I think, in women's football. You know, I'm not going to be all best friends with Barcelona fans. No, sure. But it's not like in men's where it's like, absolutely, you disgust me or <laughs> I don't want to bar with you. <laughs> Somehow a little bit more like, okay, civil? yeah. Yeah, it's a lot more civil. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I don't hate them, but they're a very good team. It's oh, they very are. Nice. Yeah, the women's team is, is crazy. Mm. Look, the doom, the, so going to the doom question, if we don't perform and we don't win, that will be really hard to take. I think I will try and forget it as quickly as I can because <laughs> it's, it's really – not the most important thing at the end of the day. The end of the day is that once we're in, in camp and it's mm. game mode and the players, like I don't even know how it's going to play out because even yesterday when I was doing this filming thing with some other fans and we were talking about what's it going to be like pre-match walking mm. down, I can't even fathom it because it's this is on our turf, on our country, and the emotion that's going to be attached to this is, you know, I think it, for the players – is this going to tap into something they've never experienced yet? I can only imagine. I'm only trying to imagine it. And and so I think that, you know, when it comes down to it, when it matters, you know, I think they'll feed from the atmosphere and they'll, 
their families, their friends and and the fans. And I think we do have a job as supporters, as fans, when we're going to these matches, that when it gets a bit tough, that we, we stick with, with the girls and that, you know, as active support, one of the things for that I'm kind of passionate about sharing with everyone that's new to to the game of football or new to women's football is, you know, we might not go out and win it here and that's fine. But the experience you're going to have of this tournament and of women's football is something that's so beautiful and unique and it just brings people together, even if you're rivals and you're very welcome. And I think if we can kind of showcase that in Australia and in New Zealand and, you know, new fans come on board because of that experience I think it's um to me that's quite important so regardless of where we finish if we just put on a world-class event that people want to experience again then job done in my book and so if things go bad that's what I'll focus on just have a good time in the active zone and have a good pre-match at the pubs and drown your sorrows if you have to post it like you know, it's a World Cup. Let's just enjoy it because when are we going to get the next one? So I'm going to try and remember that um, once the tournament starts. Right. So we'll... <laughs> right, we're with we're we're yeah, you, 100%. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, well, how do you guys think it's going to – well, let's go with the Cup of Nations. Like, what are you thinking Oof. or expecting? Where I stand with the Cup of Nations, it's realistically it's only a warm-up tournament. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone's going to be too bothered if the Matildas don't win the Cup of Nations. It'd be nice. It'd be great. But I think it's an early indicator for where both the team is at and where the public's at. Because mm. where I sit with football and in this country, particularly in Sydney, is that Sydney will often get behind. I'm hesitant to call it a bandwagon town, no, a but it is. It's a winner. It is. It. Yeah. It's a bandwagon. Hey, Sydney is a bandwagon town. Yeah, it is. And they Same will follow me. a good story. And as soon as there's a little blip, as soon as it sort of falls off a bit, then it does drop off very fast in terms of the casual support. And if the Matildas go out and win the Cup of Nations, then there will be a, a real groundswell, as I was referring to earlier on, of support for the team. I think this tournament on the pitch, it matters just as much as it does off the pitch and that you're able to generate this momentum. I think it's more mm. important on the pitch than off it because they need to win against, I think the expectation should be, win against Czech, uh, the Czech Republic or Czechia, win against Jamaica, right? And don't worry about Spain because Spain, you know, experiment against one of the better opposition that you're going to come up against before the World Cup, if you're going to, so you can learn what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, if we only get a draw out of one of these games, let's say we get a draw against the Jamaica, uh, you know, against Jamaica, but the Czech Republic beat us and the Spain beat us. Um, I think Tony G's under pressure to perform. But the good thing is that he's got this time to actually get it right. Uh, look, we've everyone that's been involved in the game, even looking from you know outside in outside the women's game or not following the women's game as closely as what they have now, right? Mm. Have questioned the, the the team selections that he's made previously mm. up until the the Sweden and South Africa games. Mm. But you're right. I mean, you know, it's it's just a question of for the for the publicity and the momentum going forward into the tournament. It is important that um, that the Matildas perform very well on the field, yeah. off the yeah. field. They're going to do what it is that they do anyway. They've got a lot of credit in the bank when it comes to that anyway, and they've still got five months ago to the tournament, right? Yeah. So, you know, and there's going to be another opportunity for them to build up that bank as well when it comes to that. Yeah. But w- the question is, is, what is the football objective mm. out of this thing, 
really. Mm. And I, I guess that's what it, you know, what it comes down to. Now, with regards to the, the, the World Cup itself, well, then you, you know, your question is, your questions are around legacy and what's involved in that, and that's a word that's thrown around heaps, right? Oh, yeah. Um, word. Yeah, that's right. But and look, we get it, right? We get the importance of it, but it's something that we've struggled with as a game here before, or just as a sport, and we need mm. to try and do better with regards to that. Um, yeah. And that's not casting dispersions or, you know, it's just the historical fact. You can see that, you know, we had Patrick uh, Skeen on with regard to the AFC Asian Cup and legacy and, and opportunities around that, and that's not really gone anywhere, right? right? So yeah. there were opportunities missed with that. We can learn from those lessons and actually use that, uh, use those lessons to try and take the game forward but we've got to do a good job of what is being off the park and on the park and but yeah having said that fatty i don't think we have any idea when i say we the australian public and the new zealand public have any idea what to expect with regard to this event that they haven't oh, no. no 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 i i i stand by it that they have not one imagine like they can't even imagine what it might be they might think oh it's gonna be a fun like weekend tournament like a i don't know a rugby sevens all day a thing that they do whatever which is great not bagging it I'm just saying this is FIFA and like the Euros that I experienced wasn't it's not a FIFA event but that was on another level FIFA World Cup the first time we've gone to 32 countries you know the first time it's down for women in a, a co-host mm. uh, situation the Massive. first time down like there's so many first, 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 and I think the interesting thing that the Australian sporting public, maybe not not the football ones like us, but the sporting public are going to realise, oh, my God, this football thing is a beast. Not that we need to be convinced by it. Correct. It is a beast. And we are a tiny little tadpole in this massive bloody pond. And it's, um, I think that's kind of going to be an interesting thing to observe is how they open their eyes to it and yeah i i'm a, i definitely understand um the point on you know the legacy of this all and you know our game is really good at not always taking the opportunities and going forward with it and i i hope we do i'm not going to hold my breath that mm. this is going to make a massive change to things but um I also don't want to be completely pessimistic. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but, but There's for, a huge women, opportunity here. Huge yeah, opportunity. And, and if Australia doesn't take it or New Zealand doesn't take it, fine, but it's the rest of the world is moving with it. So Correct. it's um kind of like Australia, listen, this is your little this little warning here. This is your last opportunity. Get on now and do it. Like take it seriously. Otherwise, all of these countries ahead of us um long gone. And mm. that, and that's that was kind of coming back to my original point on, you know, back when we won the tournament of, was it the tournament of nations or the one that we played in America? And we yeah, the, that's why we're playing it here actually, because uh, it wasn't played yeah. prior to COVID and what, what have you. Yeah. So I think we, yeah. we won it and we've retained it. And uh, obviously it's, we're, we're the last holders of it. So we get to host it. Yeah. And the thing is, so since then you've got, all of these European countries now investing money, but powerhouses of football, mm. Italy's investing more, Spain is investing more. Yes, they have their own issues, but they are investing more. The um, other Scandinavian leagues and, and countries are investing more. England. And South America is investing. Yeah, England's obviously throwing <laughs> a lot of money at it, but you now have countries like your Argentina's, um, you know, Colombia, um, 
Brazil still have some issues. They're finally, though, waking up and they already have the football kind of structures in place. They just have to get over some machoist uh, views, but they've got that stuff in place, whereas our country doesn't because we're competing against cricket and AFL and all these other things. It's, you know, we're we're behind the ball on that in that regard. But, yeah, um, yeah, so. Yeah, we tend to shoot ourselves in the foot more so, unfortunately. But mm. rather, <laughs> you know, whilst the other sports, you know, just sit back and, and look, they can throw hiatus and, and you know, mm. we just need to do a better job as a game of actually getting connection from the elite level to grassroots and actually making it rel- relative and relevant. And this is a huge opportunity to do so. Yeah. So, Connect back, like, with the, the community level, 100%. like, our football debt, like, that's the bread and butter and that's been long abused um, yeah. by many, many different people. We'll get onto that. I know you're hot on one, but we'll get back to that. Just hold your fire for a second, right? Yeah. Um, okay. We'll stop there. I'll do a new we'll mm. do a new Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. We're about to run yeah. out. Okay. Hang on one sec. Are you second. gonna send me a new link? Or yeah, we'll send you a new link. We'll send you a new okay, link. Cool. Yep, cool. Uh, Hang on one sec. Loving this, loving it. Awesome, awesome. Hang on. All right. So Fatty, take us back to that point now where you want to, I've, I think I've got a feeling of what you want to talk about or who you're actually targeting that comment to. And I'm really keen to get your thoughts on it. But actually, first up, W, yeah. the A-League women's, not the W-League, the A-League women's or the dub. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, the dub. The dub, yeah. as it's affectionately known. What have you yeah. made of it so far this season? I think it's been a cracker season so far. A performance, like playing-wise, yeah, it's um, it's good to see that, you know, we've got, a lot of youth coming through now um, that are getting quality game time to to help in their development. So that's been brilliant. And obviously looking forward to next season when we'll get an extended length of season again. And Hallelujah. Um, Hallelujah. Thank, oh, only 15 years in the waiting, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think the Mariners finally come back in. I'm personally excited to see the Mariners. I always loved having the Mariners in there. I, I don't know why. I think it was just because they weren't Sydney FC, so it was nice. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> like the little, they're the little, the little club, but they're not so little. They keep producing quality men's and women's players, and I don't know. I have, I think I like the stadium and the palm trees and the sauce bottles. It's a, it's just, yeah, hey, the sauce bottles, pasta foods. That that makes it right, mate. Did you see <laughs> that stadium like, in the country? Oh, it has to be. That's um the the England the lionesses. That's their base. Uh, yeah, training. I've seen that. I've seen that. And um, I have seen. You that. know, the head coach was was down there, and I was like, "Where's the sauces, though? You need the sauce." <laughs> <bottles."> <laughs> I I think FIFA have banned the sauce bottles. Oh, you can't. Oh, come on, That's Gianni. Let, give us our sauce bottles back. Oh, Gianni's had his way again. Seriously. <laughs> oh goodness me! It's definitely been great to see, though. It's been great to see. Also, the Western United story, that's a template on possibly how to run a women's team in your club. Incredible. It's actually invest in it, which mm. they've obviously had a plan for quite a while to do, but invest in it, had their players playing together for quite a while, sign on some massive big signings, some massive signings with the American imports, but then mm. also Clover Magazzo and and then a lot of, I think, Melbourne-based players from the NPL that have been killing it year in year out and you're on to you're on to winner it's a bit of a, a bit of a shame that um you know the other clubs haven't picked up that that's a, a good model to use but the a-league it's been good 
I have to also admit, though, that it's been sad. It's been sad as a fan to, I mean, as an Australian football fan, it's been hard, hasn't it, recently? Mm. I was naive to think that after the amazing performance of our Socceroos at that World Cup and them all being A-League players and locals, no bodies or no names, so to speak, and they went on and they, you know, showed the world that we are a football country, but just we do it a bit differently. And I was proud of that. Then to see it just being thrown to where it has been, it it crushed me. And for the women's side, the if it impacts the men that badly, for the women's, it's even more so because Mm. we're aligned to the men's. And it's just another year where I feel you've got some clubs or some people in these decision-making positions that I know they're trying their best. We obviously can't compete with some of the other bigger sports financially and whatever, but just some of the actions and decisions that just don't take into consideration the women's teams as a first thought. It's an afterthought always. And when you don't plan something from the get-go, it doesn't seem clear that there's a strategic direction and a purpose and a reason. It's really hard as an active fan and someone involved in women's football to keep turning up and it and it's it tears the fans apart because you feel like the girls don't deserve this we want to be there for the girls but the clubs don't make it any easier for you to get behind and give them your money to be a member because what am i getting my money like what am i getting out of it they clearly don't show that they res- these are some clubs i'm not going to name no, names no no well okay if you don't yeah <laughs> i i understand that the, the, the diplomacy yeah. that you you want to show that's fair enough i get it well right? because i but, I, but because honestly, you, re- you have to I, deal with them i understand that yeah but, but you're talking from is, a fan's perspective here as well from a fan's perspective but also then some yeah, business perspective working, as well for that matter too yeah yeah 100%. exactly so working mm. with um a league w uh, a league w w league players the dub players working with them and getting girls who are aspiring to play at that level mm. and then seeing the way that these organizations work and it's sometimes really difficult to want to say yeah you know what you should go like let me push you to this club yeah sure because I don't actually think they're going to look after you to be honest or I don't think this is the best move for you just because of a b c d yeah sure now like again I don't have all the information about all the clubs it's just Mm. that it's nothing like it's it nothing has really properly changed. I personally think, how do we solve this? <laughs> I think we absolutely break away from men's completely. Now, that's not because I don't want to be related to the men. No, I think that if these clubs can't afford to invest in it already with their men's team, they don't have the, the manpower, they don't have whatever, forcing them into having to support a women's team because they have to, to me, hurts more. So I'd rather see like, mm. all right, Brisbane Roar or Sydney, you don't, you, you want to just look after the men? Sweet. See you later. I'll open up a new license to a group of people that want to invest, that have money to invest, that they want their brands to align to women's sport mm-hmm. or a women, or, you know, a, a women's club. There's an opportunity there to, you know, make it on our own two feet or at least um, attempt to do things a little bit differently because men's and women's football there's different history there yeah sure so there's more opportunity i see in women's to create something new because we're not bound to tradition as much as the men are mm. uh and 
look, will it happen? Uh, no, I'm living on another land. But that's what I would have loved to have seen because, you know, you see it in Portland, you've got the Timbers and the Thorns, two different, like, yes, they're mm. kind of the same, but they're not. They've got different people involved in running well, it. And I think yeah. well, to me it just made more sense, but it's heartbreaking to see the way we don't we don't plan properly. And, of course, we're not going to see enough money in it. If you're not investing enough money, if you're not spending enough to make money, sorry, you're not going to get money. If you're yeah. not thinking about the quality of the broadcast product mm. and, and mm. you think it's just going to be fine and people are just going to tune in, no, I don't want to watch crappy, um, uh, you know, quality that I can't even rewind and fast forward. Like I may as well just watch the NPL uh, women's competition on YouTube that I can see from New South Wales, Queensland, which is a lot better at mm. times. No, and you know, some I just don't understand sometimes. Another how, strike, how another strike against Paramount. There, yeah, mm. yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. You won't find yeah. too many people that are happy with Paramount Plus around the country. Uh, plenty yeah. of work to be done on that front, I, and I, there's a I, lot of other things to unpack from what you were saying there, mm. uh, Fatty. And the grand final decision still baffles the mind. Uh, not only mm. from the men's side, but even more so from the women's side. Are you going to yeah. get anybody turn up in Sydney to watch Adelaide against Brisbane, for for instance? Well, it won't be or... Brisbane. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, just it, two it, non-Sydney it, clubs. It, well, it could be two non-Sydney uh, clubs. Two Ch- Melbourne. Oh. It'll be the two. It'll be chances are. Oh, it'll be Western. It'll be Western United. Yeah. And then and, the other team. And the other and the other team that you don't want to mention right now, but that's fine. No, no. Well, look, it's a sick, <laughs> I think it'll be Sydney. Um, I think it'll be Sydney. Yeah, I think. Uh, they always seem to get it done, but then they lose it in the final. So that's okay. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, but li- look, you remember on our course, the first thing that struck me from the Real Madrid, one of the Real Madrid lectures, um, mm-hmm. I forget who it was. And he's like, you're not a fan. Yeah. You're a course professional. That's right. That stuck with me. And when this decision came through, that came up again in my mind that I was like commercial money. business and so part of me understands the maybe the idea behind it and maybe yeah part of me wants like kind of gets that side the other part absolutely rips it to shred because it was just done so poorly like beyond I, I don't understand how this got past people's um emails and they thought yeah this is a great plan let's launch it in this way um but it was done so poorly and and the communication is where you lost it. And you already know how, you know, uh, the footballing community in Australia, we will jump up and down on you very quickly. Mm. Um, so you need to work with, like, your one very important stakeholder to keep this going. We need fans. They spend money. Money goes to club. And I get it. Round and yeah. round we go. But you, you, you can't just tell us that this is the best. Don't tell us include us and say you know what we need your support we need to do this it's a short-term plan to get us abc look here's our 10-year plan here's our five-year plan this is here we want clubs to have the right to own have a have a final however for now you you know give us some strategy give us some reasoning bring us on board yeah the communication was cool yeah, the communication was poor. There was no, in fact, there wasn't poor. There was no communication about it. We were told. Yeah, it, it can't be poor if there wasn't any communication in the first place. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's what we're saying. We were told yeah. that this yeah. is the best for us and that they know better. Look, with I, 
completely agree with you with regard to that. A hundred percent, right? Unfortunately, the events that occurred that evening at Amy Park mm. completely put air all supporter groups behind the eight ball, right? A dialogue could not be had between the A-League uh, or the APL and any other stakeholder for that matter. Mm. So, yeah, we're going to, you know, basically we're going to sit as a game now and cop it and we're going to have to because mm. we, unfortunately, the supporter groups, as much as they try and, you know, be really uh, engaging um, and it started off all right. It started off all right up until that point, mm. right? And that was the, and that was, um, and that was the, how the risk assessment from the Melbourne victory at that game, at that point in time, completely disregarded that. It staggers me because there are some very smart operators in the Melbourne Victory mm. Football Club, very clever operators. Yeah. Right? So it just changed the dynamic of the conversation completely and everything was just cactus after that. Yeah. yeah. No, and, and it's sad because I thought the way it was, it had started, you know, active groups communicating for once and actually men's groups Reaching out to women's active, yes, for the first time, which wasn't I isn't ideal, but at least there was this attempt to try and maybe we we could push for a real change in our game, and it was kind of yeah going that way, and we we had the higher ground at that point, or we had the advantage. Completely have no advantage now, absolutely gone. Um, and and that's why it's kind of like unfortunately back on the domestic front i feel completely disillusioned i'm disconnected mm -hmm. I, I have to yeah. be honest i'm disconnected yeah. from our national top leagues both men's and women's even yeah. women's i have to say and it's it's sad it really hurts me to say it but i can't <laughs> and, yeah. and i i've got one more in me and it's this world cup and then after that we'll see it really is an interesting way forward for the for the game both on the men's and the women's side for the next 6 to 12 months how much does this amazing event coming up in July affect both sides of the game here in this country? And you mentioned earlier that perhaps it would be better if the women sort of broke away from the men's game and came up with their own sort of identity, their own clubs. I do wonder if there's that sort of appetite from non-football people on that front, but just on the dub this season, and it doesn't seem as though it is quite as well supported as it has been in years gone by. Yes, you still have your diehards. Yes, you still have those that turn up every week and, for me, for what I have seen, the football seems to be on an upward trajectory compared to recent seasons. Do you mm. put that down to some players wanting to come to Australia to get used to the climate before the World Cup? Or is it just the case of post-COVID, uh, open borders, it's getting back to uh, the the world game again? I think it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit of even just our states opening back up and there's less restrictions mm. um, it, it is good. And obviously internationals, it's good to see some maybe unknown internationals come here and um, and performing really brilliantly. And then they're using that, you know, to launch their careers either back in their homes or with their national teams. Um, and I, I absolutely love, I think there's no shame in just being okay with the fact that our league now, both in men's and women's, it is a developmental league. We, if, and I think we should be proud of that and support that. Let's try and develop as many local homegrown or let's welcome the internationals we do get, um, help them develop their careers and move on. I mean, that is an amazing testament to, to what we can, you know, do here as a country. Um, so, yeah, that's good. I 100% agree in terms of spectator or maybe, yeah, you know, people turning up to games. 
it has dropped off. You know why? Why are we still playing games at 2 p.m.? Yeah, I was just going to say 3 that. PM. And yeah. on a Sunday, we also have like all of the games being shown at once. That's not always ideal. I like to try and watch where I can, but now I have to pick one. Yeah. And, uh, Although I don't mind, I don't mind the dub zone concept. No, I don't mind it. I think it's been pretty good. And I, like, you know, I, and the people behind it and the people who present it do a, a fantastic job, right? Yeah. You, you know, like as long as you can, you can kind of go, yeah, I want to watch. Uh, yeah. Brisbane if you had that. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Mm. and then know that oh the dub zone thing's on there but do you know one thing that would be really cool to see um you know we know that there's no halftime or pre-match or Mm. post-match um really Mm. no there isn't there is none of that in the women's broadcast why like the dub zone would have been a, a really cool opportunity to experiment at doing that a lot of the fans um I know online and you would sit you know on Twitter like um we're all we're talking anyway. We're talking about the game. Yeah. We're creating our own, I guess, stuff. But wouldn't it be nice to see it from the actual broadcasters themselves? Um, you know, when we have to watch rewatches of old footage games of um I know when I watch the WSL, they put old matches of the EPL. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh God, yeah, someone sure. sure like there's an interest here for people to want to um try and get to know the players more or try and understand, mm. you know, the, the culture of this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think it again with the lack of strategy and planning, and sometimes it feels like care of these clubs mm. um with how they run or how they um organize their women's game day, I think it, it it's kind of um resulting into less attendance like why should i like if you think about it why should i spend my even if it's 10 bucks now or whatever why should i even spend 10 bucks also if you're in brisbane i have to drive to redcliffe so that's 40 minutes out of Mm. the city and i have to drive there unless i catch a train that's another um that's another apparently it's an hour out there isn't it it's It's yeah. it's nice area, but I don't want to go there to watch mm. Brisbane Raw. I want to be in Perry Park, where I know the girls are playing there in two weekends' time against. Um, I think it's against Melbourne. Mm. Automatically, I'm like, I'm going because mm. it's at Perry Park. It's close. Um, th- you know, whatever. And and then don't even get me started on double headers. Like I I can't <laughs> think of a worse idea. And even if you put the men's first to try and keep the women's, it's too long to watch mm. two games of football back to back all day. The money you have to spend as well. Families can't afford it. Even mm. singles, it's hard. Like yeah. I don't have it in me to do that, you know. And I, I just don't. Yeah, you, see you, why you, we keep trying. You're right there, Fatty. Maybe they do need to look at the scheduling. I mean, look for a start Saturday three o'clock. And I, like I said, I love the dub zone concept. I think it's great. But Saturday three o'clock in the in the middle of summer, it leaves a bit to be desired because you've got. That incident, it's not great. these issues that arise from hosting it in the middle of the day, in the middle of summer. And then if you look over to the WSL, you've got incidents such as a couple of weeks ago where we have a match called off eight minutes into the game. Yeah, that's fine. So, can you draw a line between the two, Fatty? Yes, obviously they're different competitions, different organisers, but is it is there just a general theme here surrounding women's football? Yes. Yeah, no, 100%, because whilst I praise the WSL and and even UEFA with the amount that they're investing because they're doing it quite big money um, and it's all good, it's not perfect. I think that is just the reality of women's football still, uh, which is why I think that this World Cup, yeah, it's going to be good for Australia and New Zealand. I think it's good for the whole game around the world. Um, And the standards 
have to go up. Like, you know, you can't have your Chelsea and Liverpool having a match called off anymore. Like that won't fly. Like it, we can't do that. But we also can't have matches here in Australia having 15 minutes after 15 minutes or every 15 minutes having water breaks and thinking that this isn't dangerous and girls yeah. passing out or probably referees. It's not good for them either. No. Um, and you're not going to, you know, it just doesn't build the product. It doesn't grow. So, you know, you might have to start planning on your scheduling a lot better. Okay. If it's at 5 p.m., maybe there'll be not high numbers on the TV front. I don't know because I don't have the inside knowledge of that. But you might get more fans actually attend the match, mm. which might add to the atmosphere, which then, you know, more opportunity to spend money or make money. I, I just. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be sudden. But it comes back to, in my eyes, where is the strategy? Where is the plan that is clearly communicated to all parties involved? That's it. I I just want to make a point here that comes off the back of what Fatty's just saying. We're playing these games in summer. So the A-League and A-League W happening during summer. There's only one country that I can think of right now that is similar to us but it's a, a much larger, a larger market and larger population and all that, which is the USA, where they play during summer. And there, I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned out of the MLS and the NWSL yes. for our A-League clubs and the A-League yes. itself, right? I think that's where we need to look at for examples and the way that those leagues have grown and mm-hmm. the way that those, especially the women's program, has really kicked off, Yep. right? And then you know, then we can come to the biggest problem only because of the history that goes behind it, and that's the men's program, mm. right? But I think that's where we need to actually cast our eye on and actually learn the lessons from. 100%. We are more aligned to, we're more similar to the American country and sporting system, like, because football over there is not number one. No. You've got NBA, you've got NFL, yeah. and you've got baseball, um, massive, plus your other things. Um and and then you look at your brand new clubs like obviously Angel City. Have a look at their format. Completely yep. different to anything in men's football anywhere. Completely mm. different. Which is why I always felt and I fully believe if we were able to go separate and then you bring on investors like your Angel City where it's these big investors that their their brand or their companies who they represent they want to align in women's sport. They don't want to align in men's yeah. or maybe yep. that's not where it's at for them. Sure. But if they want to do that here in the A-League, you need to sponsor the whole club, which for some of these clubs, they get to decide, well, you're sponsoring the men or this money is our money and that's going into the men's. But that's not maybe what the sponsor wants or the partner or whoever. So to me, that's why I, that's why I think, yeah, but let's just break away nicely and peacefully and bring the people who want to be involved with women's and have the people that want to be involved with men's do it to your best do it to your best and let's go I don't think it's going to happen though it's real sad now I think we're too deep in um and people don't want to lose I guess I don't know either their jobs their egos or their relevance um but I definitely think look at what the MLS and the the NWSL have done um how they create revenue how they um you know look after the fan culture because they've got a pretty decent fan culture even though some of it is funny the americans have some funny chants but it's colorful and it's packed it's i believe colorful. that we will win 
Oh God. That's there was actually another one that I thought you were gonna say the other one, Nathan. What was the other one? Uh, I swear it, it's, oh, it's, um, it's fights and win. No, no, it's called soccer, not football. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. I that hurts, but you know Yeah, uh, I mean, you know. Mm. Uh, different different cultures. Different culture, but yeah. as you say, Fatty, there is the opportunity here for the women's game to sort of move away. And there's been so much talk about the men's game shifting to a calendar year, a winter season, and the hurdle is always, wow. oh, it goes up against the rugby league. Oh, it goes up against the AFL. The questions over the stadium availability. That's not really as much of a issue with the women's game. If the women's game was to break away, why not mm. run it from March to um, later on in the year? Run, run it on a calendar. Mate, you don't need to tell me. Because um, that solves the issue with <laughs> so, the heat. It, it does solve the issue with the heat. I think, I mean, you've got girls that are playing overseas now in some of those leagues. But if they're playing in those leagues, they're generally playing at the big ones and they have multi-year contracts, mm. so they're fine. So they're not going um, to come they back. Don't need to, yeah. They don't need to come back. It's unfortunate because yeah. our league's always on a different That's right. uh, yeah, schedule, timeline that um, – Plus, it doesn't offer obviously as much if it's not mm. that long, and the contracts are only season on season. They're not even a year on year. Like mm. um, that, that I think will. I like to think it will, will definitely change. I think it's you, you know we have seen some um, signings that are um, have been made recently that are two years. Um, generally, for some of our older Matildas or some of the. Um, your youngsters kind of thing, they might get that, but it's still not as common to have those type of multi-year deals um, in women's. And that really makes it difficult to, well, it makes it difficult for a player to try and even develop their game or improve if if they've only here for a few months and then stressing about where am I living, how, where, what am I earning and all of those things. Um, yeah, I'd love to, I, I, I don't mind, to be honest, stick it wherever that you have to, but come up with a proper plan on, you know, why we're going to have it at that time. And mm. if you're going to keep it in summer for whatever reason, then, you know, prepare that you yeah. can't have these afternoon games or middle of the day games. Um, and I, and, and, and even well, in with summer, you could have night games. Well, that's what I mean. I have night mm. games. What's wrong with a night game? I love a night Nothing. game. Because one of the big competitors is the Big Bash, of course. And during the summer, they're running games every night up until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. What's the difference? I don't. I don't even know what the. I don't know. Do you guys actually know what, or have you heard what the arguments are? Um, no. Against it. The only thing I can think of is that it goes like they're trying to ensure that games can be watched in isolation rather than live in isolation. So, for instance, you can't like. But I guess look, that's kind of self defeating in a way because there's always two games on a Saturday night at kicking off at the same time anyway. So. Oh, we can know. have debates about that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But you know. Honestly, I think let's just realize where, like, I, I even with men's, I'm going back to men's here. You know, we're, we're competing with AFL. Really, we're not because they're that much bigger in this country. So why not, like, yeah, fine. If we only get for men's eight thousand, well, then put on an event for eight thousand people. That is brilliant. That Correct. is um, an amazing atmosphere. That they are renewing their memberships. That um, you know the the media. Can't ignore it because it's an event and people want to be part of it. I just think that if you could have looked after it that way and grew it more organically, um, I I don't think that's aiming too low or anything. I just think that that's a more sustainable way to maybe try and achieve what we want, which is obviously we want it to be number one or we want it to be as big as it can. 
but we can't have that and then have stadiums with 4,000 people and that being our premier event yeah. in the middle of the day and yeah. no one's watching online because they can't use Paramount app. Like, it's just diabolical. Paramount Plus, yeah. you need to fix it up. Seriously. Oh, yeah. mate. Anyhow. Well, look, the, the last thing I like to do, though, is like I know people are trying and I don't like to just make like whinge and things and I – I try and like actually be involved in the community as best I can and be proactive. And that's what I will continue to do, but it has been difficult, I have to say. (laughs) Look, look, everyone's appreciative of the fact that Paramount Plus are interested and they have committed and they've done what they've done. However, all we're talking about here is a user experience. That's all you're talking about here, right? And yeah, yeah. It's nothing more. It's it's an observation that hasn't fallen on their fears. They're they're aware. I'm sure they're aware of it because it's yeah. that observation has been made so so many times. Yeah. Before we say goodbye to you, Fatty, yeah, we're gonna, yeah. if we're going to shoot some uh, quick fire questions to you. All right, all right. Yep. Madrid win La Liga. Yes. Champions League. hundred percent. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, you got anything? Copa del Rey. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Okay, treble's on the cards then. <laughs> the treble is on. Look, Madrid is, we can look dead and buried. Like last year, everyone had us written off every game and then won. So Barcelona can be happy. They're eight points ahead or whatever they yeah, are. It's still a classic um, to come. The inevitable will happen and Madrid will be there in the final or when it counts, we'll bring it. They can have their little super cup that really, that's another money thing, isn't it? Who wins the dub? I think, uh, ooh, you know, like just because it would be. I, I was going to say Sydney. I think they've, <laughs> okay. they've lost it to Melbourne the last few times. And I, the only doubt I have on Western United is it's the first time. Can yeah. they really do it? Pounced. Um, so, but I, no, I'm not going to officially say Sydney. So fine. Western United. Okay. <laughs> and WSL. Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. Sam Chelsea Kerr got, leading them to glory. Sam Kerr. I just, I love I love Arsenal winning. <laughs> happy but i love sam kerr and that chelsea team is um pretty stacked as well just like their men's fatty absolute pleasure having you on the back peg thank you thank you very much it was uh it was awesome and keep up the good work i love it you know we've got to support all the people that are creating and talking football and it's also a supportive environment for when we don't understand what our game does uh to <laughs> to each other we'll put, so uh, we'll put awesome i uh, love you work, right. fatty. love we'll you soon. we'll talk soon take care all right. Thanks, lads. Thanks again. So should we cover off that we've got a back peg derby in the League Cup final? <laughs> oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, it, it, the games both went as we thought they would. Yes. Really? Like, yeah. We didn't think Southampton would come back, nor Forest. No, that's right. But it's uh, good to see that it actually has been confirmed now. And end of the month, we have a back peg derby in a great. Awesome. Awesome. So, what else caught your eye? And really, yep. really, whoever wins the, the the game, the final, in a couple of weeks' time, the trophy is going to be very treasured by either fan base, I think. And you can't always say that about the League Cup in years no. gone by. No, I agree. Only because Manchester City's won it in so many years gone by. <laughs> no, but you're right there. No, you're right there. Yeah, that's it. It's funny because they were struggling to sell out Wembley in in some of the more recent ones. Mm. They they got tired of going down to Wembley for the League Cup final, which is, mm. well, if you yeah. told a City fan that 15, 20 years ago, then that, that they'd been for a real shock. Pep's right. They're uh, complacent around their success now. So mm. there you go. He's trying a happy to Flowers team. Yeah, he's trying to fire them up. So uh, what caught your eye off the field or on the field this week? Of course, it was the end of the transfer window. And the transfer window. 
big and we said we need that to talk about the the, the, yes and there's a couple that we need to talk about here hmm. Hakim Ziyech is one of the first ones off the rank I want to talk about I wasn't gonna even think about that but let's go to Hakim Ziyech I've, I've got a bigger thing around about Chelsea but just uh yeah and just what oh it yeah means. I, I, and just what it means right rather than anything else hmm. but that's yeah that was my only point about the transfer window because it's just it was just a crazy transfer window it really was but I do want to get into some detail about Ziyech mm-hmm. and that he was on the outer of Chelsea uh, looking to offload one of the players because they've signed so many wingers in the last six to eight months. And he was all set for a move on loan to Paris. But three times, Chelsea sent the wrong paperwork. How? So, How is that allowed to happen? Something tells me that they meant to set the wrong paperwork. Why, though? Because he's, ne- he's not going to play for Chelsea for the rest of the season. You've got Mudrick, you've got Felix, you've got so many wingers now at Chelsea. And it, it, I feel sorry for the guy. Because he had a great World Cup, Hakim Ziyech, and he deserves uh, to be at a club that wants him there and is going to give him some game time. Yeah. Uh, look, I get it. I get it. But like I said, something tells me that uh, he wasn't, you know, that they meant to send the wrong paperwork. It's it, There's no other explanation for it, really. Unless they can't be that incompetent. I mean, they've, you know, we've seen how many transfers they have done. I mean, they even got um, uh, Enzo from Benfica, the World Cup winner. Oh. Yeah, you know, and that was they did the medical in Lisbon to make it happen. So mm. you know, so it's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. There's crazy. some chickens that come to roost for Chelsea, I think. And no, I agree. You can't just buy every player and give them long term deals, and it all works out in the end. There's going to be some bumps in the road to come. Agree, agree. But look, um, I think that um, they've made a statement because they've spent two and a half billion. Well. Todd Bowley using private equity to you know get two and a half billion pounds for the club or to spend two and a half billion pounds to acquire the club and then gone whack in the uh, last uh, two transfer windows and it's just absolutely crazy. But um, it just goes to show that the future of the game in ownership terms seems to be coming from the states and then and the Middle East and I don't know how sustainable it is. It, you know, it, and that's the thing that concerns me is the sustainability of it. You know, they might be getting lower wages, the players might be getting lower wages, and they might be amateur, and the clubs might be amortizing these contracts over a longer period of time. But you know, it's um, yeah, it just doesn't all go well for the game. I fear looking at it from a business perspective because you got to look at it from a sustainability aspect. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. there's going to be some like just on the football front, there's going to be some un- some unhappy players wanting out of the club and. The thing is, if you put them on a six-year deal still to run, then who's going to take them about sustainability? They're on two fronts with that, when you use the word sustainability. Yes, you look at Chelsea on a, on a micro basis. Is that sustainable for them long term? But also just for European football, Chelsea spent more money this window and last window than the rest of the top five leagues combined. It is yep. remarkable how much money they're able to spend. And yes, we begrudge at points the European Super League. I worry for the state of European football in 10, 20 years' time because mm. the rest of the continent can't keep up. Yeah, no, I agree. Agree. No, well said. Well said. Um, and just another quick note. Uh, I did notice that uh, the United States are hosting the Copa America, the next edition of it. They are indeed. And and CONCACAF nations will be a part of it, which is good to see. I'll tell you what, Les, they should do away with the Gold Cup with one big tournament. That would be something worth watching. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree with you. 100%. 100%. So should we go and check up on uh, our little um, side project that we've got with regards to teams that we're following? Let's do it. And we had round two of uh, the Colombian uh, Primera division, 
and uh-huh. uh, my boys, America De Cali, uh, got on on the the right foot again after a first round defeat, a four nil win. How good! How good! That, that that's a great way to uh, to bounce back, isn't it? Fantastic! And didn't realise last week when we we're picking the teams, but America De Cali are known as the Red Devils. So uh, perfect, perfect fit for me, isn't it? A perfect fit for yourself. Yes, indeed. No, it's uh, yeah. Couldn't couldn't have picked it better, actually. So well done there. And um, uh, how how did your boys get on? Yeah, not great. The uh, game, the game, from what I understood, is postponed till um, the tenth. Uh, sorry, to the twenty second of February. So Deportivo Cali don't get to play round two till um, uh, Wednesday the twenty second. Unfortunately. Oh wow! Mm. Do, do you have a reason for us? No idea. Trying to find out, but I should have asked Fatty actually if she uh, could have translated uh, the Spanish or if she knew what was what was going on but um but uh yeah it's uh it's unfortunate that that's the case but uh yeah we'll keep you abreast of that i mean i know that uh deportivo cali have who have they got this weekend sunday they're playing once caldas whilst uh, your side is away to deportivo pasto so there you go on saturday and the v league starts this weekend yes tomorrow night friday right. night our two teams are in action they're not against yes. each other but no, they're not wow the, the start of the V-League, and very interested to see how this one pans out. Mm. Mm. Din versus how, how Ho Chi Minh City. How our teams are going to go. Yeah. Yep. Namdin versus Ho Chi Minh City, and your boys have? Bin Din. You got Bin Din. That's right. Bin Din. Okay. So, uh, Ho Chi Minh City are away to Namdin, and you've and Bin Din are visiting your side, which I can't pronounce yet, but that's okay. Hanoi Police is there uh, anglicized. There we go. Thank you for that. <laughs> So um, that's what we've got to look forward to this weekend. Absolutely, and plenty of football for our for our usual teams as well. That's right. That's right. How good was Fatty? Yeah, fantastic to have Fatty on. Knows the stuff. Very passionate about women's football, and we love it. And we'll look to have plenty more guests on the women's side of the game, just as much as the men's in episodes moving forward, because there's so much to uncover on the women's side of the game, and so much development, so much growth expected for 2023 and beyond. And it's going to be fun dissecting everything that happens over the next, particularly up until July and August. Indeed, indeed. Uh, it's, uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have Fatty on. Absolute pleasure to be with you again, Nathan. Um, and great to Likewise. Hit the, hit, great to hit the back peg. Yes, we've arrived at the end. We've arrived at the back peg into this episode. And uh, thank you for all your interactions on the socials and your reviews as well. And stay tuned for the next episode of The Back Peg coming out next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying the show. Uh, but for now, I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Scramos. Take care, all. Mm-hmm.